Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Will it happen or won't it happen? You can bet on it with the Betfair Exchange. Proud sponsors of the Final Furlong Podcast. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by AtTheRaces.com, your ultimate resource for finding winners. Welcome back to the show. Great to have you with us as the top class racing continues at a pace. I'm your host, Emma Kennedy, alongside Final Furlong Podcast legend and author of a fantastic article on AtTheRaces.com which is finally live on the Royal Ascot microsite. You can read right now, Mr. Rory DeLarge. Good afternoon. And Rory also contributes to the Irish Daily Star. And I'm delighted to say that the editor of the publication is back with us after an enforced delay for some reason. What the, what could that have been? Uh, Brian Flanagan, welcome back to the show, my friend. Thanks, Emmett. Delighted to be here. And I'd like to congratulate Rory on having a 40 to 1 winner on Monday. Uh, at um, Adoc, Rory, was it? Adoc. Adoc, yeah. yeah. 40 to 1 winner. Headline, headline tip. Keeps the job safe for a couple of months, doesn't it? Happy days. Please tell me he had it napped. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh! Ho, ho, ho! What is one nap? Lovely, jubbly. That's how it's done, essentially. So Rory Delargy skyrocketing up the table. Well done, Rory. That is fantastic. Uh, hopefully that form continues as we preview the weekend. Before the absence, the absence has done uh, Brian the world of good because he had that um, he had that shocking setback in March, if you remember, when he went head to head with Vanessa Ryle on the podcast. <laughs> oh, and she, and she, without ever meeting the man, she gave him both barrels. She went for him. She, she did. W- she went for him. That's, uh, that's my opinion. If anyone says, what do you remember about the 2020 Cheltenham Festival? <laughs> That'll be it. It's when Vanessa Yeah, and because Brian... it hasn't really been mentioned much since then. No. It hasn't been in the news at all. But Rory Dillargy was holding on to it, just waiting for the opportunity. And you'll be delighted to know, Brian. You that, can't talk to my boss like that. That as you are part of the Royal Ascot team, so too is Vanessa Ryle. Vanessa Ryle returns to the Final Inferno podcast for two of the shows. Uh, so we're recording five separate previews for Royal Ascot for all five days of the greatest week in racing, essentially. Uh, we begin recording on Saturday. You'll have two shows Saturday evening, two shows on Sunday. And then day five will be available on Monday. You can listen to them all on the At The Races uh, site, also on the At The Races Royal Ascot microsite, which is available for you right now as well with some fantastic information and very much looking forward to bringing those shows to you. Hopefully, we'll have some fantastic nuggets of information and maybe the odd row as well between Vanessa and Brian or just others that she decides to target. Who knows? We shall see. Um, The Irish 2000 Guineas sees no runner from the UK and no runner from France, but... Uh, it's going to be a very interesting race, to say the least. The current betting on Betfair sees Gerlines Siskin uh, as favoured, which is pretty much expected. 3.4 currently on the exchange. Aidan O'Brien's Armoury uh, leads a battalion of forces from Bally's Oil. 5.5 for him. Lupe Fernandez is declared. Uh, there was a suggestion that he could go for the Commonwealth Cup. Vatican City 
Uh, a horse who Aiden was pretty sweet on on the show previously. Uh, 9.8, beautifully bred. Royal Lytham is in there as well at uh, around about 11.0. And Monarch of Egypt, who clashed with Siskin a couple of times, is currently trading at a huge price of 25.0, which seems very, very big. Uh, and a huge opportunity for Declan McDonough as well. Fantastic jockey. And uh, he gets the ride on Monarch of Egypt for Aidan O'Brien. So 22s in the sportsbook, 40s on the Bedford Exchange. Brian, I'll, I'll start with you. This weekend sees two stables heading the betting for the 2,000 and 1,000 guineas. Neither stable Aidan O'Brien, which is a, a refreshing change. But Siskin, unbeaten in all completed starts last season. We haven't seen him since the incident in Newmarket. Does he deserve to be as short a price favourite as he is, in your opinion? Yeah, he deserves to be favourite, I think. He's probably not that short. Um, I'd say, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he was 5-2. to two. But what, what did you say was there? there? I don't think he'll be that scared. I don't think he'll go like uh, six to four, seven to four. I think he'd definitely be higher than two to one. The interesting thing is he kind of was around that price during the week. He was six yeah. to four, 13 to eight. Now he's currently two to one on the sports book and a little bit bigger than that on, on the exchange, yeah. which, which I'd is imagine the, the I'd imagine the form of the O'Brien horses in the first few days of the, of this, uh, since the return of racing, you know, has, has definitely uh, changed a few people's views. I mean, like, he really has hit the ground uh, running. Um, I think the, the good, the good to fat, the good to firm ground is probably playing a big part in that. I mean, a lot of his horses really thrive on on on, on really good ground. Um, so, like, if Jerry Lyons is going to win his first classic, he's really going to have to do it the hard way. Um, you know, five five Bally Doyle horses, and as we've seen before in these type of races, you just you just can't really really rule any of them out. Like, because you know, one can pop up at a big price. You mentioned Monarch Monarch of Egypt. There, um, I think he was only beaten half a length by Siskin in the Phoenix. Royal Lytham was uh, in the same race. I think he was just behind Monarch of Egypt in third. Uh, the Monarch of Egypt now has run a couple of times since then and is disappointed, but Royal Lytham hasn't run since the Phoenix. Um, and he definitely looked like a horse who would really appreciate going up and trip. So I'd expect him to to beat Monarch of Egypt now whether he's good enough to turn the tables with Siskin we don't know um, you know Siskin definitely deserves to be favoured perhaps he's getting a little bit more uh, noise because he's not an O'Brien horse or you know he's from a different yard Jerry Lyons he's been a really good trainer in Ireland for the last sort of 10 years has never won a classic he's won plenty of big races but never a classic and I think you know people like to see an unbeaten horse keep winning Um whereas some of the other horses have had are a bit more exposed. Um, if you were to ask me which one I'd probably side with, I think Royal Lytham looks, you know, he's about 10 or 12 to 1. He only has about half a length to make up on Siskin. These Ballydale horses, they improve so much, uh, you know, from race to race. He'd probably be the one that might um, interest me, but I wouldn't be going Siskin winning. It'd be great for Jer. And as I said, we, we'd love to see these horses staying unbeaten. Yeah, big time. He ran a fine race in the Coventry as well, for all the fact that he was seventh. He wasn't beaten far at all by Arizona that day and bounced back to win a, a new market. Um, and I can definitely see the case as to, as to why you would be keen on him. Emmett McNamara takes the ride. He's first time blinkered. Interesting situation in terms of jockey bookings. I've been reading a lot of previews saying that this horse must be the first string in terms of Aidan O'Brien jockey bookings, which makes me scratch my head and go, what? 
Uh, Wayne Lorden and Jamie Heffernan are two exceptionally talented jockeys. Uh, Podrick Beggy, we saw win another big race in, in the Derenstown Stud Derby trial during the week. Emmett McNamara, um, Declan McDonough, as we said, is, is coming in for a ride. Michael Hussey has been a part of the team now for quite some time. There is no number one in Ireland, Rory. So the the idea that just because Shamey's on board, that that automatically means that that's the first string. That's not the case. Dunica's off the board. Ryan is off the board. It's it's basically a free-for-all in, in terms of the Ballydoyle lads. And the jockey bookings here see Wayne Lorden on Armory, who was long-time second favourite. Lope Fernandez has got Shamey Heffernan. Podrick Beggy's on Vatican City. Um, they don't really mean a whole lot. And that point about Aidan O'Prine's form is... He's electric. Uh, to be fair, Joe Lyons has got off to a really good start as well, but he's banging the winners in. Um, your assessment of the market, the fact that Brian was was talking about just how many horses there are from the Bally Doyle team and what that may very well mean then in terms of how the pace could be set up or how they could try and control the race. Um, who are you going to side with and what's your current take on the market on the Bedford Exchange? I thought it was a pretty horrible race to to try to um get a strong handle on um to be honest um siskin is unbeaten he has um got the best form in the race but his his best effort on paper um is that win in the, the phoenix last year but that's slightly muddling form um and all his form revolves around beating monarch of egypt no one wants monarch of egypt was stolen money in this race and yet siskin who, who only beat him three quarters of a length um, in the Phoenix, um, is a, a very hot favourite to um, uh, to beat him again. Of course, he's, he's only raced at six furlongs. He's, he's got plenty of speed, um, Siskin, and we haven't seen him since um, since that very unfortunate incident at the stalls um, at Newmarket in the autumn. He, I mean, the, the problem with this, I'm I'm not one for listening to um, reports of either working it at home or stable confidence and stuff like that. I, I try to find my winners purely by looking at the form book, um, seeing how horses shape, get an idea of how they're going to progress and stuff like that. Well, and whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a second now. Hold on a second now. The, the drone driver couldn't keep up with Arizona, and now we know why. Because he fell out the back of the telly, and that's why he couldn't keep up with him. He was so far back. It was like, wait, how do I keep up with the field and him back there? And I get what you're, what you're saying there. That's a very important point to emphasize, because... While, to be fair to Aidan O'Brien, he did give us a 7-2 winner on the show by saying, follow the Air Force Blues, and then named three of them. And um, Chief Little Hawk won yesterday. We're recording on Thursday uh, at 7-2 and looks Royal Ascot material. Just because something's working well at home does not necessarily mean they're going to replicate that then on the track. No, exactly. And, and it doesn't, you know, when, when you're when you're hearing snippets of information as well, it doesn't tend to be, to be um, hugely helpful. Um, and of course, a lot of the very best horses don't really show it on the gallops. Mm. They're professional at home. They save the fireworks for the race course. And those horses who are always rumoured to be flying up the gallops at home tend as often as not to be morning glories. Um, so I, I kind of assure that, that information. But that makes, that makes betting on early classics very difficult, especially in a year like this where we're into June and we, we pretty much have no prep races. So I, I find it very difficult to back Siskin at the price. Um, although I, I echo what um, what Brian says, it'd be great to see him win um, and get um, get Jared's name on the on the um, the role of honour for this great race. Um, but lots of question marks for me. Uh, a, you know, 
working out exactly how strong that early season form was. And bear in mind, you know, he was um, he was absolutely flying along in May last year. So he's pretty precocious. Um, he's stepping up two furlongs and trip. He's got that question mark over whether he'd go in the stalls um, for a kickoff. Um, that, that was a one-off, uh, you'd imagine, but you never know how it's going to affect them afterwards. And there are a lot of horses in here who could improve, um, who are lightly raced. And what you also see, which confuses the issue enormously, is how many Aidan O'Brien horses appear to be fully exposed at two and then progress uh, as three-year-olds, especially those by Galileo. Mm-hmm. Um, my... If I was forced to um, to select what I think is the likeliest winner, I think Armory is absolutely rock solid last season. Um, normally, with a horse with his sort of profile, um, you'd say that he's vulnerable to improvers. But um, given he's a um, uh, he's a son of Galileo, I could see him um, improving again this season. You can write off his run um, at Longchamp in October. I mean, the form the form figures look okay, but he was he was beaten twenty lengths. Um, in the Criterium International. Um, but that ended up, it was meant to be a four-runner race, ended up being being a two-runner race um, with a, um, a non-runner and then a late withdrawal. Uh, and he got upset on the stalls um, by what was going on um, there and, and didn't seem to run his race. It was also in heavy ground, and you can forgive him that. Um, his form on a faster surface um, reads pretty well. Uh, and he was very, very tough. He kept running his race last season, so I, I can see him doing that again. And he will, uh, he will stay this this trip and probably stay an extra couple of furlongs as well. So although he looks exposed, he's only had the one hundred a mile, um, and I think he'll improve again for it. So he's he for me is the solid one, but there's so many question marks. And the fact that Aiden has so many horses in this race, um, his his really impressive winner um, last weekend, uh, love in the thousand guineas. Um, she was she was in a different league um, to her rivals there. And she was, you know, his only runner there. Uh, he was very happy to to stick with one when he knows it's outstanding. When he goes mob-handed into a race, you know that he's trying to maximise his chance of victory. Um, and there is a chance that one of the outsiders will win. In saying, you know, in knocking Siskin by saying that all he's done is beaten Monarch of Egypt and he's 9-4 to four favourite for this, 3.4, I think, you know, a fair price you were saying. Yeah. Uh, Monarch of Egypt is a much, much bigger price and again, although he disappointed at the end of, of last season, um, his pedigree um, suggests that he, you know, he he's not a juvenile uh, in terms of his looks or his his um, his pedigree. And it may well be that he was just growing um, at the wrong time last season and, and lost his form after running his best race in the Phoenix. Um, given his pedigree, and he's he's a, a quite a strong uh, sort who should develop well from two to three as well. Uh, he could leave those efforts behind, and he's a, he's a surprisingly big price. And again, because Declan McDonough's riding, um, people will think that's you know he, he's the, the neglected from the yard. But you know people are always going to um, second guess um, riding arrangements. And as we've seen, you know all you've got to do is keep back and Pori Beggy <laughs> in the big races, and you'll end up making money because the horses that that are ridden by by the jockeys, you go well, you know where would you have? In your list of top fifty jockeys in the British Isles at the moment, where would you put Porrie Becky? Um, you know, but yet he's ridden an Irish Derby winner and a Derby winner at big prices uh, in the last few seasons. So, you know, I, I, I agree with you that the, the riding arrangements um, are not massively significant, um, and I'd be tempted by Monarch of Egypt, but this feels like a shot in the dark. This race, um, given when it comes, I, I kind of feel as though we have to back Monarch. You know, not telling anybody their business, but just Aidan O'Brien was talking about the fact that they were seriously considering the jersey stakes for him 
at Royal Ascot. And they were seriously considering the Commonwealth Cup for Lope Fernandez. And the decision now is to go here and throw throw them all at it, fire everything at it. They were even considering Royal Ascot for Vatican City. And there are three horses that they hold in pretty high regard. Armory, I think what you said about him is absolutely spot on. I can completely see how, how he would get involved. But it, while we've been talking, Monarch of Egypt was 40s. He's subsequently on the Betfair Exchange gone from 22.0 to 25.0, back to 24. He's currently now at 25.0. It's too big. It's just too big a price. And uh, and that's the horse that I would, uh, you know, if you, if you can back him each way at, at 22s, that's the bet I would take. If you want to take the massive price in the exchange, I'd, I'd take that. That's the way I'd play the race because with the greatest of respect to Siskin, uh, he could be a superstar. But we were saying the exact same thing about Pinatubu is definitely a superstar. There's no question about that. But whether or not he can carry that forward as a three-year-old is another matter entirely. Siskin was a brilliant juvenile. Whether or not he can be a brilliant three-year-old is another matter entirely. And he's going up to a mile for the first time. So uh, I I think I'll, I'll take the 22s and 25s of a monarch of Egypt. Thanks very much. We haven't even mentioned Free Solo, who is taking a big step up in class, but you know, Jessica Harrington's stable has been in top form as well. Um, yeah, I thought that's a, that's a, a tough ask. It's been almost a year since we saw um, Free Solo, and though he was an impressive winner of that, that um, maiden race at Leperstein, um, won by five lengths in the end. A huge step up from a, from a maiden to um, to a classic, mm. especially with, um, you know, with 11 months between the two of them. Similar story with Fiscal Rules. I mean, he ran an absolute, he ran a better race, if you like, um, for, for me when finishing second to, to Wichita on like debut, a, only, only beaten ahead by Wichita that's really good form yeah. um, and obviously that, that's his only chance whereas you know Free Solo had a run behind him and when winning that Leverage time made in fiscal rules you'd expect to, to come on a fair chunk for that but again he's had one run in a maiden last August and he's straight into a classic that's a, it, it's not entirely unusual of, of, um, of Jim Bolger but it is a big old ask but you know you can tell that um uh, people respect uh, Jim by the price that he is for a horse who's who's still a maiden and only had the one run to be one what he's, he'd be short of twenty on on um, the exchange at the moment, wouldn't he? Yeah, his current price in the bet for exchange is actually fourteen point five. He's come in since we've been talking, um, and, and there has been like Jim Bulger's stable is not too far away from from where I am. There has been a bit of buzz about him, but you know, to, to the point that I've I've been going, oh yeah, 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 like. He he might he might be good later in the season, but you're not you're not telling me he's winning the the Irish two thousand guineas this weekend. But there is confidence behind him, uh, Brian. Yeah, I mean the fact it's not you know the the, the fact that that um, he was coming up. You could you you know you could easily rebadge that maiden race that he ran in here um, as a as a listed or group three race, given that he was he went head to head with Wichita um, and Wichita um, and Wichita has shown that form to be um, to be very very good since. Mm. Um, so yeah, no no reason why uh, why he couldn't be top class. It's just a quit, just a case of whether you can come back from that kind of absence in a race of this nature and, and not show your inexperience. Uh, Brian, are you going to make a, a point there? I just um, we didn't mention uh, Michael Halford's horse either. Uh, Cinnawan, uh, he was second to the to Mogul. I think Mogul is favoured for the Derby. He did a lot of. He's a proven stamina. That was over a mile. So, like at this race, if you do get a couple of Ballydoyle horses, really tearing down the straight and making it a real stamina test, 
it's the Cinnamon shouldn't have had, shouldn't have a problem uh, seeing out the trip. Um, I can't let it go and mention about Monarch of Egypt that his dam is probably the worst named Kulmar horse of all time. Uh, of the thousands and thousands of horses that they've had, I think Up is up there. Up there. It's up there. <laughs> it's up there with the worst. Excuse the pun. Well, the, the worst named horse ever is, is running on this card as well. Go on. There's a, the horse in the, the horse of um, yeah, one of Joseph's in the maiden called Galileo Chrome. Uh, who is not related to either Galileo or California. Ah, uh, for goodness sakes. <laughs> it's a Galileo gold situation all over again. <laughs> what a load of nonsense. Come on, Joseph. I'm just, I'm just hoping that the owner is, uh, or whoever's named him, is, is uh, you know, having a little chuckle to themselves. Uh, a long-time Final Furlong podcast listener who who loved our Galileo gold jokes uh, over and over again, I suspect. Um, to be fair to Up, she did win a Group 3 and a Group 2. Oh no, she was very good. She's not in the name, not the horse. Terrible, terrible name. Yeah, yeah there was another, one around, the there was another one around the same time called Was. I think. Yeah. Didn't she win the Oaks? She did, yeah. At a, at a massive price, yeah. Uh, all right, final selection, so, for the Tattestall's Irish 2000 Guineas. 6.40 on Friday on good to firm ground. There has been rain in Ireland, but it's currently good to firm is what they are saying for the Curra. Um, Brian, your selection. Yeah, that's a good point. There, there actually has been a lot of rain in the last 24 hours. I'm in Dublin now. It's been pretty much raining steadily on, you know, some heavy, some light, but pretty much rain and steady for the last day. So I'm not sure how that will affect the ground. But uh, Royal Lytham each way would be my choice. Um, you know, hasn't a lot of ground to make up with Siskin and has the potential to really improve. Okay, so Royal Lytham is currently 11.0 on the Betfair Exchange and uh, you can easily get 9-1 to 1 about him. Uh, Rory? Uh, assuming you're getting bigger than 20-1, to 1, um, I'd be inclined to throw a dart at Monarch of Egypt. Um, I'd be keeping stakes small, as I said. This is the kind of race, although it's a great race on paper, it's a it's a horrible race for, for, for me to unpick. But he's too big on, on the pick of his form and he's entitled to actually do better as a three-year-old. So um, 22, 25 to one, bigger than that, um, by all means, have a small win bet on him. There was a huge amount of hype about this horse last season and Aidan O'Brien did say in the interview, if you if you missed it, you can listen back to it on the At The Races website uh, or on your podcast app uh, that they couldn't get Monarch of Egypt right towards the end of last season, but hopes were high that they'd get him right now. So... 22 to 1 on the sports book, 28.0 currently on the exchange. I'll gladly take that. Thank you very, very much. And uh, obviously, I'm going to do the reverse forecast as well because just why not? Uh, Vatican City. The Irish Lincolnshire, to give it its proper name, the Paddy Power Irish Lincolnshire. Uh, Premier Handicap sees Adrian McGuinness and Dermot Weld. And Joseph O'Brien, all vying for favouritism. Uh, to be fair, Adam McGuinness has got two horses in here, and they're both towards the top of the betting. But uh, right now on the Bedford Exchange, current opinion is 6.6. Patrick Sarsfield, 6.6. Bashir, 6.6. And Bowerman is around about 9.0 currently on the exchange. Brian, we'll lead it off with you. A competitive renewal of the Paddy Power uh, Irish Lincolnshire. Who are you siding with? Um, yeah, but probably not as, you know, there's only 18 runners. I think normally you would have had, um, probably 27 or 75. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's usually the Lincoln is running heavy ground. So it's, it's a real uh, novelty this year, get this on good ground. Um, yeah, look, I mean, the, the usual trainers who pop up in these sort of races, Ado McGuinness, uh, really specializes in these big, 
handicaps and Bauer man, you know, has won two races at Dundalk. And as we've seen the other day with Skeptical, this Dundalk form can't be taken lightly. You know, the, the, the horses that have run Dundalk over the over the spring, the winter and the spring, uh, fitness appears to be very strong, and and, and it's, it's it's better form maybe than some people give it credit for. So, Bowerman is actually owned by a syndicate of um, prison officers um, who've had a good few horses with age Dado over the last few years, and um, Bo Michael, I think, and a couple of others. But uh, he has, he has an obvious chance. But the one I was siding with was down the bottom uh, and it's Jessica Harrington horse that she she only just got last year off Sheila Lavery a horse called Njord um, I think they bought it just looking here for 54,000 uh, in October it, it, it showed some really good form for, for Sheila Lavery it had actually won here in the Curra on its on its last start for uh, for Sheila and then on its first run for Jessica it won in Galway over a mile Um and it just looks a really interesting runner for a stable in form, you know, pretty lightweight. It's a four-year-old. Uh, Tom Madden had his biggest winner the other day for Jessica, so you know, all the all the it's all positive. And um, I can see him running the really big race. I backed it actually in Galway at the Galway Festival last year when it was with Sheila Lavery, I think, it was second or third. Uh, rarely runs a bad race, very consistent. And um, I think this race was mentioned in the immediate aftermath when it won in Galway in October. Obviously, they thought the race was going to be in March, but um, I'm sure he's been ticking along nicely in Jessica's, and uh, he, he'd be the one who would get my vote. But, I mean, as you say, it's very open. Yeah, it, it is, but to be fair to Jessica Harrington, she has been banging in the winners uh, as well. I'm not sure if she's quite getting the credit that she deserves, and her horses are, are hitting the line really strongly as well. So, obviously, in strong form, and... Uh, Tom Madden, a very, very talented young rider as well. Uh, it was the other Jessica Harrington horse who interested me, Taram Shaman. Um, that's where I was currently drawn. But your horse, uh, Njord, is currently 13.0 on the Bedford Exchange. And Taran Shaman, 9.6 on, on Betfair. Uh, Rory, you love a big handicap. Solve the Irish Lincoln cheer for us. Uh, I say back the probable non-runner Patrick Sarsfield, the old who, Tony Keenan strategy. Yeah, you're not getting you're not getting fancy prices because of it, uh, which you can do sometimes for reserves because they're not they're sometimes not priced up properly. But Patrick Sarsfield is number twenty uh, in the list, and um, he's he's running out of time for uh, something to come out, and it's not the it's not your your typical uh, contest where you can pay someone twenty quid to. Uh, <laughs> To take the business elsewhere, so it's uh, it looks a little unlikely he's going to get in, but we live in hope, uh, and especially with the, with the grind changing as well, that might make a difference. And one or two might come out because of that. Um, it doesn't really matter. Rather, rather getting it better, we're not. This horse has to be well handicapped off eighty six. Um, he was third to the Irish Guineas winner on his debut. Um, he then finished in front of the international stakes winner on his second start. Um, when he was uh, trained by uh, Eddie Lynham as a, as a two-year-old. He split Sydney Opera House in Norway on that second start, ran really well um, to be second there, despite not getting the, the clearest of runs. Um, and he had uh, Japan behind him that day. Um, really good form. He's obviously had a, an issue or two in that he's, he was off the track for over a year after that. Um, he, uh, he was beaten favourite um, on his, uh, his first start last season. 
um, at uh, Cork, but in fairness, it was a pretty good run, only beaten half a length in a 17-runner maiden. Um, and he stepped up um, to justify a very short price um, over this course and distance on his second and final start last year with a tongue tie on for the first time, um, winning winning easily uh, by four length, four lengths from Ashjore. Um, given the strength of his two-year-old form um, and the fact that um, well, he's been he's been picked up by by some shrewd operators, runs in the colours of. Um, uh, Chantal Regalado Gonzalez, um, having clearly been bought by John Merle um, after his uh, his juvenile season. I just he looks like a horse with an awful lot of, of mileage uh, to come if they can keep him straight. Uh, he wears a tongue tie for the second time, um, having won the last time out. Uh, and when you think about it, he, he was showing group class form as a two year old. He didn't get a chance to show what he could do. Obviously, you know, he had, he had two runs, um, and he was meeting Group One horses on both occasions and coming out pretty well against them. And here he is not able to get into a handicap because the handicapper hasn't really been able to, to get a hold of him. He has to be better than an 86 horse. There are some very ordinary horses rated on the 80s um, these days. And, and here he is, um, uh, you know, as I said, knocking, knocking heads with, uh, with group one horses um, early in his career and coming good last season. Um, handicap debut, but obviously he's had the benefit of four runs over two seasons so I don't think inexperience will be a problem to him and he must be thrown in off that mark just in case he's going to run he has to be the the real issue though is the reduced field size and um, who Joseph could persuade or ask nicely to pull a horse for and again that's a tip in itself if they can convince a couple of people to um, uh, to to (laughs) Uh, to look to pastures new. Listen, lads, um, you've got no chance. Itself, you've got no chance. Let let us have a go. And uh, there are no there are remember. no hopers in this race. That's the um, yeah. Um, that's one thing you have to say about it. You know, these are all these are all decent handicappers. Um, and if you owned any of them, you'd you'd want to want to have a chance of winning this decent prize. Yeah, and, and look, we can't go racing. But be, it, go on. Would you be a little bit? I always hate saying this because, uh, but would you be a little bit concerned about the farm, Joseph's? This week, they, he hasn't had a winner yet. I think he's had about 30 runners and no winner. Maybe they're just a little bit slow to come to hand uh, this season, but maybe that's just... A, I know Bookhorse ran very well yesterday. In, in, yeah, and, and Line Judge has been a short head. So yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're knocking on the door. Mm. Um, whereas you can say, you know, Jessica Harrington's in great form and she's had about four or five winners, which is a lot yeah. of horses finish um, out the back as well. It's been a little bit black and white with with Jesse's horses, and yes, um, you'd be slightly concerned. I just think you know, a, a lot of Josephs have been running a maiden races, and he's a kind of trainer who would who would want to to give them something to work on um, going forward. So I would I'd be inclined to take some of those uh, with a pinch of salt. Um, you know, as I said, Buckhurst all but won a listed race the other day. We um, had one beating a short head. Um, actually he's been no. just beating a short head uh, today so they're they're doing well enough there's no way you know I'm only concerned um, about whether there might be sickness in a, in a yard I'm never concerned about a, a strike rate if I think the horse is good enough the one thing I would say though to back up Brian is that he has had favourites beaten 15 lengths 14 lengths 12 and a half lengths uh, yeah, line judge and Buckhurst ran really well, and some others have uh, hit the frame. Yeah, 
It's the been... two that really spring to mind were at Monday and Nace. He had um, G Rex, who was really well fancied and ran kind of no race at all. And then yeah. Summer Sands. Um, but look, it's probably just they, they, these people have so many runners, you know, they can't all win. So, like, it's just. And the two you mentioned aren't even the two I was thinking of. So, yeah, it, it's it's something to bear in mind. But look, we're very, the like very early into this, the season. Go on. Yeah, regarding, regarding trainers and form and stuff. Um, I remember. Um, Richard Fahey had a, had seven or eight winners over two days, um, as he tends to do. He's got a very strong, very strong um, uh, team of horses. Um, and he then went on the cool trainers list after one day because <laughs> he sent out he sent out fifty losers over a weekend, and suddenly he's at the top of the, the cool trainers list. He's had six winners on Friday. <laughs> so you know. Um, you, you, oh, you do dear. get uh, scenarios like that, and um, and they don't they don't often mean an awful lot. Uh, yes, with um, with some yards, you need to have a look at how the horses are running, and when when yards are, seem to be very hot, you, you pay attention to them. There's a couple of a couple of um, uh, new market trainers who've had several big price winners this week, um, just with their handicappers in, in in very good form. The likes of Amy Murphy and Tom Clover, um, and it's you know when you see little yards with the horses are in, in very good form, it gives you a a nudge towards them but you know unless I see horses who I would expect to be running really well um, not seeing things out at all you know travelling well and then falling in a hole that's when I get worried that there might be a bit of a virus or so, you, know, you know something wrong at the yard but as a rule um, given the nature of the racing programme with loads of maidens and stuff like that there are, I, I don't tend to get that concerned very often Do you have an alternative to Patrick Sarsfield Rory? Uh, no. Grant, we'll leave it no, at that. Wait, wait, wait till the next race and have it all on the oh, yeah, selection there. Oh, all right. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So it's the Jessica Harrington 1-2, so, uh, for the Final Four on Podcast team. Uh, Njord and Taram Shaman do the reverse forecast and back them both in the bet for exchange. You can get 9.6 uh, about Jessica's supposed first string and Njord currently 13.0 on the Betfair Exchange. Uh, this, though, is the race where we could be getting the sweep. Search for a song heads the betting in the Coolmore Magna Grecia Moorbridge Stakes, uh, the Irish Ledger winner last year. We've also got Fleeting in the betting uh, as well. She's back for more this season. So Search for a song, 2.86. Uh, Fleeting, 3.1. And Latrobe, back for Joseph O'Brien, 7.2. Rory DeLarge, take it away. Right, first protocol here. Um, you need to make a judgment on whether you think Search for a Song um, is much the best of these or whether you take my view that she's very talented um, but a little bit of a tricky ride because she can take a, take a, a strong hold and that she's massively flattered by her win in the Irish Ledger last year. And I think she's massively flattered by the Ledger win. I would agree. Um, and you know, and obviously, you, you can view that both ways. You can say, you, you can mark her up for that performance. You can say, "Cranky, how can any any um, filly pull as hard as she did and win a Group One as easily as she did?" Um, uh, the obviously, the flip side of that is, everyone saw what she was doing, thought, "Let this lunatic go on, and we'll have our own race, and she'll fall in a hole soon enough." And she didn't. They've let her go. They've completely ignored her. And when she's got out in front with no other horses around her, she's settled a lot better. Um, and she's built up a, a, a lead that they couldn't um, they couldn't claw back. And we see that on a regular basis. It was twice we saw it in classics. 
at the Curra last year. Um, please don't tell me that Sovereign was the best horse in the Irish Derby by a long way. And we know that's not the case. And yet, you know, getting clear daylight at the Curra, it is, you know, it's a big galloping track and you shouldn't be able to steal races there. Um, I think that's probably why you can. Um, it seems to encourage horses to really express themselves when they get out there. Um, and um, uh, we've seen on a, on a number of occasions that horses can get loose there. And as long as they've got the, abil the ability to see the race out, it can be very, very hard to close the gap um, because of the nature of the track. And I, I think, although she is very good, um, I think she's, she's flattered by some degree by the way she won that race. And she won't get into clear daylight coming back to a mile and quarter. Um, and I think she will be pressed for the lead by a couple of these, I would have thought, guaranteed will probably want to be handy. And what I want to see particularly is Latrobe ridden aggressively. And I think he's a decent bet here. Um, at um, six to one and bigger um, on the exchange at the moment. Uh, again, he's a Joseph O'Brien horse. You can take a view on the, the form of the stable. Um, as I said, I'm not massively concerned about that. And he's got a few runs last season that were very good. Obviously, he was behind her. He was only sixth... Um, in the Irish ledger. Um, but he was one of those who was happy to, to go along at a, at a working man's gallop um, when she was scorching off in front. And he's better than that. Um, and then he went down to, to, um, to Flemington for the Melbourne Cup, um, as most horses in these colours will want to do. Uh, I think his form early in the season is very good, particularly, I know he was only fourth in the end, but his run in the Wolford which is only a listed race. Um, that was the strongest listed race I've ever seen. The Wolford and Stakes at Royal Ascot last year could easily have been a Group One um, on paper. Um, a day came back to form to win that. The, the, the rain poured down that day, and he got his ground, uh, beating Magic Wand, Ella Cam, and Latrobe, and they were clear a long way clear of the rest of the field. That's really, really strong form. He ran a cracker that day, um, despite the fact that he was um, drawn lower than ideal and, and got bumped around a little bit. Um, he had to be uh, fairly aggressively ridden at various points of the race by Donna just to hold his place. But he kept on really, really well, and he was closing on the um, uh, on the placed horses at the line. He'd have been second in a couple of more strides. Um, he's then backed that up by by finishing second in the Curra Cup, and then he won the um, the Bally Roan at Leopardstown in his next start. He looks as good as ever. Um, obviously, he's, a, uh, he's an Irish Derby winner here. Um, I remember we were talking to Kevin about him um, as a four-year-old, and, and Kevin was convinced that a mile and a quarter would be his best trip, despite the fact that he looked a stayer in the in the Irish Derby. Um, I don't, although he's run very well over a mile and three quarters, I don't think he stays that trip particularly strongly. He's fully effective, obviously, at a mile and a half, and I think this extended mile and a quarter will suit him ideally. But what he needs to do is he needs to get he needs to get among them early. He particularly needs to make sure that Search for a Song does not get an easy lead. Um, so that she can't settle. And if he does that, um, then I think he's got the beating of her. Fleeting, obviously, you know, her chances there for all to see. Um, I don't want to say she's easy to beat because she keeps running in Group 1 races. And this is a, a much easier task for her. So she is the one to beat Fleeting. And I think she, her price has got to contract a little bit. I wouldn't put you off backing her, but I think that um, uh, 6 to 1 and bigger uh, about Latrobe is a very good price. And I think you run a big race. You can currently get 7.2 about Latrobe on the Bedford Exchange and Fleeting, uh, for the record, 3.1. A very strong case made, so, from Rory uh, for Latrobe. Brian, what's your read on the race? 
<laughs> I'm going to disagree with Rory. I, I like Serge for a song. I think I think she's good. Um, I don't think it was a fluke in the ledger uh, by any means. Or you know, he didn't actually say it was a fluke, but I don't think she she caught the others on the hop. Um, I think she's pretty good, and I think she has won. Uh, she's actually won a race over a mile and two as well. So you know, she has plenty of gears. Um, Dermot Wells horses have been running. Some of them have been running very nice races this week uh, without winning, but um, the stable looks in decent form. Um, yeah, I think she's she's going to be hard to beat if she's uh, if she gets to that lead again. Um, you know, I wouldn't uh, have too many concerns for her after the two hundred and seventy-one day break. I think since the ledger, because uh, a lot of these are coming back after big big absences. Um, She's a, she's a horse I, I, I liked even before she won the the ledger uh, last year and I just think uh, Latrobe's kind of been a bit in and out I wouldn't be one to trust him now um, and Fleeging I suppose is the obvious danger I mean she's pretty good filly uh, but I just think if if, search for, if the race you know if, if Ushi Nor can get search for a song to jump out quick and get to the front I think she's going to take a bit of pegging back again and um, if she's third favoured in this I'd definitely be back her yeah, she's not going to be third favourite, is she? She couldn't be realistically unless yeah. she took a massive walk in the betting. But she could be second favourite. She could be second favourite. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Fleeting went our favourite in the race in, in the uh, end. Uh, yeah, I've got one more question about that, though. I mean, again, you'd like her to, to be able to settle. And she saw that, that she'd settled better um, on her own out in front than she did when restrained behind horses. But if the plan is to jump out and make all, why is Maria Cristina in the race? Yeah, I was thinking that. Mm. Unless she's there as a decoy. But she's got headgear on for the first time, representing the same connections, and surely she's in there as a pacemaker. And I don't think Search for Song is a kind of mare that wants a pacemaker. No. Well, it wouldn't suit her. It wouldn't suit her style of running at all. Um, it, it looks the ideal starting point for her, but while she has won over this distance you would think that a mile four or mile six of the Irish St. Ledger trip will be and, more Yeah, and fairness, you can, you can argue that the way that, the way that you know, she, she didn't outstay them um, here last year. She, she got away from them. Yeah. Um, so it was the speed she showed mid, mid-race that won it. So you'd have no problem with her dropping back to a mile and a half. Uh, the question is whether a mile and a quarter is, is maybe a little short these days. Best horse was um, second, though, that day, without question. Yes, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Uh, but, you know, she's, but as, I, as I said, there's two ways of reading her. You have, you have to look at that race and you, and you have to decide um, whether you think she got away with it and she was flattered or whether you think she would have been an even more impressive winner if she'd settled a bit better. And you can, you can genuinely look at that race two ways because it's not, it's not black and white. Um, but I, I, I take a particular view and Brian obviously takes the opposite view and I think that's, it's perfectly... Um, reasonable for, for people to have that disagreement and it's going to be an interesting race to see it is some role of honour this race just looking at the um, previous winners like uh, Aidan O'Brien some of Aidan O'Brien's greatest horses have won this race magical minding found so you think so you think fame and glory yeah um, magician back in the day as well Camelot yeah. yeah it's been a, it's been a really it's been a really good race to be fair uh, also Robbie Downey who we had on the show uh, a few months ago. It's great to see Dermot Weld and Moy Glare supporting him as he returns to racing. So um, best of luck to him over the weekend and hopefully he'll be picking up more rides soon. Uh, on Saturday, 
we will have the Irish 1000 guineas, 7.15. It'll be live on RT2. RT are also doing special one-hour programs on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, all about racing as well. So uh, check out Hugh Cahill and Jane Mangan on those shows. Uh, looking forward to seeing what RT can produce. The current betting for the Irish 1000 guineas, again, at this unusual time of 7.15, is Albina currently trading at 3.0, Peaceful for Aidan O'Brien, 4.5, Fancy Blue running for the first time officially for Dunica, but was always trained by Dunica O'Brien last year as well, as he said to us in the interview in the Final Forum podcast not so long ago. Uh, she is third favourite, 6.5, so very exciting time for him. So wonderful, 7.5, New York Girl is 15.0. So you've got Jessica Harrington again, uh, at the head of the betting. Um, this was sort of what I was alluding to. Ger Lines leads the betting for the 2,000 guineas. Jessica leads the betting for the 1,000 guineas. And then a battalion of Coolmore-owned horses in behind. Uh, Dunica's got Fancy Blue. Aiden's got Peaceful, so wonderful. And um, even so, and a few others as well. Uh, Brian, I'll, I'll start with you. Albina has very, very strong form. She's a horse that we really liked a lot last season. Uh, I love the way she won on in Parry Longchamp on, on Arc Day. Um, that being said, though, does she deserve to be the short price that she is? I think she probably does. I mean, you know, she's achieved a hell of a lot, or he's she's achieved a hell of a lot more than than the rest in the race. Um, you know, to win three times last year, you know, Group One and Longchamp ran very well in in America too. Like you know, so the form can't be knocked. Um, you know, I think she's definitely deserves to be favoured, and, and you got your usual scatter of Bally Doyle fillies, and as we saw in Newmarket, and I think Rory made the point earlier that you know they can often leave their juvenile form behind them, and they're all like so well bred, so you know got so much ability that you know on any given day they can pop up and win, as we've seen over the last twenty years or more. So, um, but we can only go on what we have, and I think Jessica's filly. Uh, is probably the price she deserves to be. Um, there was one in there that I really liked from last year. Now, I think the horse had a bit of a setback after after she won in Leperstown was Redenza, um, trained by Michael Halford. I remember watching that race at the time and she, she just looked really, really good. Um, it was her first first run and I think she's very well bred by Sea the Stars. Um, she just looked a really, really good horse or filly that day. Um just read there, she fractured a pastern um, afterwards and was lame. So, uh, she, you know, she had a big setback, but, you know, obviously it's a bit of a shot in the dark, her first run since last August. Um, but, you know, he's, she's in there and he's given her a chance. But with the season the way it is, it's just, there is a lot of unknowns, you know, whether our trainers just running, you know, they're, they're good horses in the classics because there is only one classic or have they got them ready enough to to be in these races? You know, that is a real conundrum for punters uh, on these big flat weekends. Um, but she looked a horse at a, you know, with a really big engine um, and she was still very green. So there's there has to be improvement. I think if he has her anyway right, I'd give her a serious chance. Um, but look, obviously you have to respect the, the favourite and the, the Ballydoyle uh, battalion. Okay, so Redenza is the horse in, on your Redenza, yeah. uh, mindset. That's currently 14 to 1, Redenza. 
um, with the Betfair Sportsbook on the exchange, you can have 17.0. So we know where we're going for that one. Uh, Rory, for you, Albina, brilliant in the pre-Marcel Buzek last year, but a Coolmore battalion in behind and a very interesting horse from Brian as well. Your thoughts? Yeah, never easy with the Phillies because they can they can be transformed um, uh, by having a winter over them, and and clearly we're also we, we've had the stage we've had a we've had a half a summer already as well, which we never have um, before this uh, this race normally. Um, the weather may have turned at the moment, but obviously we've had a lot of a lot of um, warm sunny weather, and that would have helped these Phillies um, come to themselves as well. So we should see a decent performance. Um, and Albina is the um, is certainly the one to beat, and, and the way um, she's been talked up as well. Uh, I've tried to I've tried to ignore that, but I uh, I unfortunately ran into a, a, an interview with uh, Shane Foley, um, where he said she's been she's been um, knocking the door down to get on with things this season. And Eating uh, pigeons on the gallops, well. to yeah. quote Harry Durham. I mean, we know how good she is. He, he just he just talks about how straightforward she is. Well, I say straight. I mean, he, she he says she's she she does have her quirks, but she's. Um, he pretty much says she's the best he's ever ridden, um, which is a, a fair shout. She has ridden some decent horses in his time. Mm. Um, she's clean-winded, so uh, she's very easy to get fit and very easy to keep fit as well, and that's a big plus here. Um, I think she's a fair enough favourite. You know, I, I don't think she's a bad price at all. Um, if I was, I, I don't want to oppose her particularly, um, but then again, you know you. You need a bit of luck on your side in races like this when you're backing a fairly short-priced favourites. Um, she'd be my selection in the race uh, as a rule. The, the other the other one that I'd mentioned who um, could be very interesting this season is New York Girl. Um, she's um, She looked promising on her debut at Cork. She was, she was the lesser fancied of a couple from the yard uh, when she ran in the, the Weld Park Stakes at, um, at the Curra in September and um, she did really well to win that race, given given how it panned out. It was a heavy grind, but I wouldn't have thought she'd need it on on pedigree. Um, and uh, yeah, she she gave the impression that there was a lot, fair bit more to come from her that day. Um, and she could be interesting going forward. It's difficult to know exactly how good she is, but as a Group Three, and it's, it's usually a very reliable Group Three. Um, she didn't seem to be in any way flattered by coming from off the pace and uh, getting up to to win there. The margin was small. Um, but she was stopped in a run at a crucial stage, so she did well to win. Um, and she's one I kind of want to have on my side generally going forward. Whether she, I mean, that was over seven. She she, she ran over a mile on her debut, um, and she'd probably stay a mile and a quarter. Um, but this trip should be fine for her first time out. She's she's interesting, but I I don't want to be I don't want to be um, getting away from the favourite just to be a, a smart aleck. So if I'm if I'm forced for a selection of the race, it's going to be Albania, but. Again, I'm happy to, to watch classics um, uh, without having a bet on them if, if I don't have an especially strong view, and I rarely do because um, there's an awful lot unseen by me um, going into this. So, uh, as I said, I'm, I'm usually happy to, to watch them without a bet. And, of course, when I did really fancy one last week, I really fancied um, Millisle to improve a chunk um, in the in the fashion. She's run an absolute stinker. So, And that's what that's what Phillies can do to you. Mm. Uh, so I wouldn't be uh, emptying the piggy box out, but uh, there's a lot to like about Albina. Her um, uh, her form is is very good last year. For all she was, um, she disappointed once. She was in season that day. Uh, yeah, uh, you can you can make an excuse for that. She actually, she actually ran very very well indeed in the uh, the Breeders' Cup uh, filly and uh, juvenile filly turf 
um, she the nature of the track was against her that day. She she got behind and she finished off very well. Uh, so we beat just over two lengths into fourth. Uh, that's not her, her best piece of form, but in the uh, in the circumstances, it was a very encouraging run. Um, and you know, she she simply has the best form in the race. You know, all her all her races after her debut were were Group Two or Group One races, um, and she looked a cut above generally when she was right. She should train on from from uh, two to three as well. And there's a lot to like about her. So if she, you know, if she was really skinny, I'd probably try to look elsewhere for an each way bet. She's a fair price, and I'll, I'll stick with her. Uh, fancy blue for me for Donica O'Brien, but it's it's reluctantly going against against Albina. To be honest about it, I, I really like the filly. Um, she's beautifully bred, top class form last season, and it wouldn't be in the least bit surprising to see her go and, and bolt up. Um, Brian, I know that you've got other commitments, so uh, final selections for you on the Saturday at the Curra? On the Saturday um, for the for the Guineas or the other races? Any, anything else that interests you, my friend? Speaking colours in the, in, in the Gladness um, is a horse I really followed last year. Um She's really, really, really consistent. Um, you know, ran a number of good races, and I think Saturday might be his day to, to get his head in front. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Joseph O'Brien team and Mr. Do you have prices on that? Yes, uh, yes, I do. Uh, you can currently get on the Betfair Exchange 2.63 about speaking colours. Lancaster House's favourite. Yeah, that's he's the wrong favourite for this. Yes, I would have thought so. He's a really, not, I mean, I think he's probably the better horse. Long term, there's no way as a seven for a long horse. No way in hell. Mm. Um, we're speaking colours. His ideal trip is probably six point eight five furlongs. Um, you know, and he actually ran very well over over um, the, a very similar trip in the, uh, in Saudi Arabia in February, um, just below top class at um, at six and stays seven. Um, I think this is a perfect opportunity for him um, to to um, uh, to get his head in front of him. He's carrying a penalty for. Um, for his win uh, in the Renaissance Stakes here last year, which theoretically makes his, his task harder, but it looks a match on paper. And Lancaster House um, looked like dropping to a mile was massively against him um, on his um, on his last start. That was in the Boomerang Stakes last year. So dropping from from a mile to seven furlongs cannot be a positive unless he suddenly develops speed over the winter. And I don't think, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's a case of getting him started somewhere yeah. and he'll be stepping up to a mile and a quarter in time. So at this trip, speaking Connors looks a really good bet. Yeah. I think that price can only contract as well for Joseph O'Brien and uh, the iridescent colors for speaking colors. Um, it'd be very, very interesting to see how he does and we'll be supporting him on Saturday. He'll soon be known, of course, as the Patrick Sarsfield <laughs> After he wins the Irish Lincoln. Uh, Brian, pleasure chatting to you as always. We'll have you on the one of the Royal Ascot shows and uh, I'm looking forward to having you back on the show then over the weekend. So until then, Great. my friend, we'll chat to you then and uh, watch out for the Irish Daily Star in all good newspaper shops and newspaper agents and stores and some rubbish ones as well. Uh, some fantastic content and of course, when 40 to 1 winners are being provided by Rory DeLarge, you know it's a, it's a must read. Uh, anything big coming up this weekend? Um, no, not really. Just um, great to have the great to have the racing back really is, you know. It's, uh, and we've obviously Premier League coming back next week so like it's a real, you know, back to normal buzz about everything which I think is something everybody really, really, really want, wants. 
Yeah, big time. Looking forward to it. All right, we'll chat to you over the weekend, Brian. Take it easy, and uh, and we'll chat to you then as we build up to Royal Ascot. Uh, Brian Flanagan from the Irish Daily Star, and uh, make sure you're checking it out over the weekend. Uh, so we know then that Speaking Colours is going to be the selection for uh, both Brian and Rory. Um, highly insulted that poor old Smash Williams, I'm going all the way, ain't nobody stopping me, from Friday Night Lights doesn't get a mention uh, for Jim Bolger, but... Just, he might be the forecast horse. He could be. He could be. If you take the view that Lancaster House is going to need a longer trip, Smash Williams is—he's um, pretty solid. He's got a lot of—he's got a lot of um, decent efforts in his back catalogue. I'd put him in um, for the exactor, definitely. Yeah. I definitely would. Uh, last race, so Rory Magic Wand makes a return uh, in the seven forty-five. This is a horse who's been kept busy to say the least. She was also over in Saudi Arabia back in February and uh, started out the season this year. In fact, in America, running a massive race in Gulfstream in a race that was worth about $7 billion. Uh, so Magic Wand is your very short price favorite, currently 1.91 on the Bedford Exchange, and she's yeah. facing not a whole lot, really. So No, that's, that's I mean, I, you know, that's, that's a little bit harsh on, on the others, but she's a, she's a group one filly. Um, a group one mare, rather. Um, Silk, I, Silk Forest would be five. interesting, to be fair, but yeah, he, Silk Forest is um, is she's the improving one in the race. Um, we had a chat about Paddy Toomey the last time um, mm. we were on. He's a, he's a high percentage trainer. Um, he doesn't, you know, his horses are never right for a little run around. Um, it's all about getting the results on the track and and then making making the most of his um, of his bloodstock when he can, um, while he while he you know gradually grows in strength. Um, and uh, yeah, she's got a, she's got a, a positive profile. She's pretty much um, improved with by the run, gradual improvement um, in maidens runner up the first twice before winning at Leopardstown, and then stepped up to to listed class. She improved to win at uh, at Nice uh, in October, winning by by five lengths, and she seems to be uh, on the basis of that better when allowed to to stride on. And and obviously, you know, her, her forms all come with some given the ground. Um, soft on debut, heavy when she won at Nace, um, and, and maybe wouldn't want the ground um, too quick. But it's been raining around, and that'll that'll suit her. And she could easily find a fair bit more this season. So she's an interesting one. But you know, Magic Wand was below form last time out, but that was her first run in dirt. And she's just not bred for it. Yeah. Um, plenty, plenty of Galileos have, have gone to you know the Bridge Cup Classic in, in, over the years because you know if you can if you can somehow fluke a win in that, then you've got a mate. Galileo himself um, went got, for it, and it, and it yeah, didn't play out exactly. And if you you know if you've got all the all the turf form, um, that's terrific. But if you can if you can find a horse who can win uh, Group Ones in Europe on on, um, on turf, and then go to the States and, and win a, a British Cup Classic on dirt, then you know you've got your ultimate stallion. Uh, so it's always worth chancing. Um, and Magic Wand, you know, in a race um, worth absolute fortunes, the Saudi Cup, uh, it was worth giving her a go there, but she didn't really handle the. Um, didn't really handle the dirt, although she she plugged on. Just ignore that run, and she's got um, she's got absolutely tons of solid form. Again, you can you can say you can look through her form and go, well, she, she doesn't win that often, does she? But look at the task she's given. She's always up against the best, and uh, she always runs with credit. This is, I wouldn't say a penalty kick is a dangerous thing to say. Small fields, you can get funny results, and of course, um, I don't think she'll be asked to lead here. Uh, and there is a chance that um, Billy Lee on Silk Forest could, you know, could steal it from the front. Um, that is a possibility given how she won at Nace. Um, but all things being equal, 
um, this should be Magic Wand for the taking. It really should. Uh, it'll be nice to see her back. I like Magic Wand. And um, it's good that at the age of five, she's still in training and, and going strong. And I imagine there'll be some nice pots for her to pick up, starting with this one. Uh, 7.45, the last race of Classic Weekend at the Currits. Great to have it back. Um, your best bet of the weekend, Roy DeLarge. You're not um, allowed to go for the selection in the Irish Lincoln. No, okay. I'll, I'll go Latrobe. I like it. I'm even more yeah, confident I think, now. you know, whatever happens in that race, either um, some, something trained by Dermot Wells is going to go off hard in front. Um, and I think that Latrobe has always looked a little bit vulnerable um, when he doesn't get um, an end to end gallop. Um, but granted a, a strong pace in front of him, um, he's, a, he's a decent horse. And this is almost certainly um, the ideal trip for him. Obviously, you know, he stays a mile and three quarters. He's not better for it. Uh, and a strong run race of this trip, as we saw at Ascot last year. Again, go back to that Wolverton Stakes. You, you look at it on paper, it goes just a listed race. One of the weaker races at Royal Ascot. Ended up being a ridiculously strong contest last year. Oh, and I- he ran an absolute cracker. Adayeb went down to Australia and conquered all. The cradle of horse racing, Rory. The capital of horse racing. And Adayeb went down there and taught them all what it's like. Inigo from ATR sent me the link to Highland Reels win in the Prince of Wales Stakes. And what do you get? Of course you get someone going, yeah, I remember when Winx duffed him up. Get out of here with your Winx nonsense. Get out of it. Had enough of it. It's an interesting one. So Latrobe for us. And uh, worth bearing in mind, by the way, that Rekindling is back with Joseph O'Brien. Who'd have thought it would have made sense to leave Rekindling with the man who trained him to win the Melbourne Cup? Dearie me. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll see how all that plays out. Royal Ascot's on the horizon, Rory. And I'm delighted to say that you're with us for all five of the Royal Ascot preview pods. I certainly hope so. I do too, seeing as you're booked in for all of them. So I'd just quickly like to mention the fact that the Tent to Follow is back. Have you done the Tent to Follow, Rory? I haven't done it yet. Uh, if I do do it, it'll be, it'll be close to the deadline. It may well be that it just passes me by because I'll be pretty busy. But um, yeah, it's one of those things that you want to you want to get as much information as possible, including all the entries for, for Royal Ascot and any clues you have to, to group races through the season. It's great that it's happening. I'm a, a, a tad surprised in that, and, and they've been unlucky. Um, the Tokes, in that they couldn't launch the jumps um, tend to follow um, earlier than than they did. Um, and then they've had the suspension of racing for months um, eating its way into the fat season. I kind of thought they would say, well, we can't do this and we'll do it. We'll, we'll build up for the jumps next season. But fair play uh, for, for giving it a go. Um, and, and perhaps starting this late will actually end up being a bonus because the flat competition has never hugely appealed. It's trying to work out what's going to happen in the summer. Um, if the competition starts in April, mm. it's an absolute nightmare, um, and it's always been it's always been hard to find runners in some of those bonus races, let, let alone winners. Um, but starting starting now and having a sort of uh, truncated season is possibly a bonus. Our mutual friend Jonas Spence has, has been on to me, and um, very kindly, the Tosh are doing a five thousand pound charity league, which I've been asked to be part of. So, oy, oy, oy. We'll see if I can do any good in this. But they're doing a, a charity league. The choice of charity will get a £5,000 donation from the winner from the tote. As Jono himself said, never has there been a more suitable time to support 
racing charities, so participation is hugely appreciated. Uh, mine is on the way. Jono, I wanted to see what was going to be lining up at Royal Ascot. So best luck to everybody, by the way, taking part in the Tent to Follow. And hopefully we can get a few quid for a worthy cause. It'll be the Injured Jockeys Fund, and hopefully things will go well. So our Royal Ascot specials begin recording on Saturday. You'll have two on Saturday night, uh, two on Sunday, and on Monday, our final Royal Ascot preview for 2020 will be recorded as well. That'll be Saturday. So the team this year is the esteemed Roy DeLarge, Kate Tracy, Peter Fornatal, Vanessa Ryle. Tom Bull joins the team, my colleague at TalkSport from The Sun. Uh, delighted to welcome Tom to the Final Forum podcast. Uh, he's a great guy and has some fantastic insight. Mr. James Norris from The Weekender, Paul Ferguson, Brian Flanagan, who was on with us earlier, and on the review shows, will be joined by the superb Jane Mangan and the esteemed Nick Luck, Sir Nick Luck at this stage. Very much looking forward to it. Jess Stafford will be with us as well. So a lot of Royal Ascot content coming your way and it all hits you this weekend. Roy DeLarge, a pleasure as always, my friend. Pleasure is all mine, Emma. Thank you. And we're cheering on Latrobe for the weekend. Come on the Latrobe train. From all of us, thanks so much for listening. Make sure you check out ascot.attheraces.com and uh, the Final Forum podcast specials as well shall be there. We'll chat to you over the weekend. Until then, God bless. Will it happen or won't it happen? You can bet on it with the Betfair Exchange, proud sponsors of the Final Furlong podcast. Have you downloaded the free At The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, Expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting is the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.